This is Channel 253. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. One, two, two. Interchangeable. White Ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question today is, what role do race and class play in the food industry? Today's episode is sponsored by Gentrification Station, a white lady coffee shop that only serves coffee from formerly Euro-colonized countries. In addition to our hashtag corn-free, hashtag soy-free, hashtag dye-free, hashtag sulfite-free, hashtag artisanal baked goods, we sell cruelty-free hypoallergenic-scented candles, books about doing yoga with your dog, and ironic faux-vintage tin signs of racist classic movies. Hashtag doga, hashtag road trip spirit quest, hashtag one-stop shop. On today's episode, we are so lucky, so lucky to have joining us a special guest, Corey Evans, the culinary arts teacher at Lincoln High School. Hey, Corey. Hi, Hope. <laughs> Welcome to the show. It's very nice to have you. Thanks, Annie. So we're really excited to ask you a bajillion questions about food. So many questions about food. Some of them are really serious, and some are completely ridiculous. And silly. So just warning you about that first. Yeah. Sounds like the industry. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you start first with just kind of telling us a little bit about who you are, where you grew up, how you got into this industry to begin with. So I am a Tacoma native. I grew up on the east side. I kind of bounced around from neighborhood of the east side. Um, I lived over by Lincoln for a short period of time. I lived over on Hosmer for a period of time. I grew up mainly on off of 72nd, like right on 72nd. For those of you who know where Pack Ave and 72nd is mm-hmm. and can see the McDonald's, that right was there. that was literally my front door. I could see it from my front door if I walked outside. Um, I am a Lincoln grad. I now teach at Lincoln. It's kind of weird at times. Go see, Abes. Yeah, go mm-hmm. Abes. Um, <laughs> I was a four-year culinary kid at Lincoln. I did everything culinary possible for Lincoln at one point in time. I competed nationally representing Lincoln and Washington State. Awesome. I did a couple different pro start competitions. And then after high school, I went to Johnson & Wales University, which is the top culinary program in the country. Yeah. Um, I spent four years diving into six-hour-long classes of food. We had lecture, and then you had hands-on labs, and they were some of the best things I think I ever got myself into. I spent so much time with great chefs. I spent a lot of time with people who have different, unique ideas. You worked with a lot of kids from Asia and experienced what true Asian food is like, Hmm. not the Americanized version of it. So having Kung Pao the right way was completely (laughs) different than what you would think it would be. Or I had friends from India who made, like, homemade masala and it's to die for, to, like, smell the spices and mm-hmm. the things they use. It's just, like, a completely complex idea. Um, I had two different internships while I was in college. I worked at Martha's Vineyard for three months. Whoa, cool. Um, I hated every second of it. <laughs> Whoa, lame. <laughs> Being from, I think it's just from the neighborhood I grew up in. Like, we're low income. I was in a low-income area. I grew up out here. It's really cool. Martha's Vineyard is, like, polar opposite. It's rich. Can snobby. you describe it? Yeah, a little yeah, bit more what's for like, those I want to know because I feel like I've heard, I've heard good things, Get and then so now I feel like I need to know a, the truth. As a person, if you're visiting, like, if you're a tourist there, it's awesome because you get the top end of Top and experience. Yeah. You get everything. It's really fancy. It's really cool. As a person who works for it, it's awful. Where is oh. Martha's Vineyard? So be Martha's Vineyard is in Cape Cod. Okay. It's an island in the middle of Cape Cod. Oh. So you have to take a boat out Wait, to it. an island in Cape Cod? That sounds so snobby. <laughs> so yes. anybody who's ever seen Jaws, it's where they film Jaws oh. at. Oh. Um, okay. I've been to every spot they've actually filmed Jaws at <laughs> on the island. Which um, Martha is it named after? Martha Washington, Martha Stewart. I don't Stewart. know exactly which Martha it's after. I I, I, I want to uh, say I need to find, yeah we need to find out. I want to say yeah. it's a Kennedy somewhere because oh. they all just come vacation there because okay. it's like their second home apparently. That would make sense. So what was so bad visit- about it for the industry side? I mean I can guess. But. From I worked in the most top hotel on the island, so I worked at a five star hotel. The experience that we I had was I was thrown to the line. We got a new executive chef three days after I started. Mm-hmm. He was changing things. When you start that change, it's very hostile. Mm, um, yeah. The sous chef that we had pretty much got put aside. He brought in a new sous chef. Whoa. And so it got really hostile that way. So we'd get told one thing by one sous chef. The executive chef would be like, no, you're going to do it this way. Yeah. And so it was really 
awkward for us. Sounds like school politics when you get a new principal or something. <laughs> and <laughs> like it's a really and it's a really hostile environment to work in yeah. because I had one dish that was plated one way. It was fried oysters. So you yeah. literally just fried them, put them in on a shell, put a little sauce on the plate, sent it out. It got yeah. changed seventeen times what? in three days. Why? And I was like, how are we? How many ways can you fry I'm like, an oyster? How many times can I plate this so you guys are gonna hate it? And I'm yeah. like, you need to make up your mind. So what are other ways yeah. to plate that combo? Like um, on a so bed of we did. <laughs> at one point in time, we had these like little metal buckets. So we put paper inside the metal buckets, and then you piled the oysters on top of each other. Nice. Um, we took really big pink or Himalayan rock salt. Yeah. which is really pretty and pink, and we piled the oysters on top of that. Uh, yeah. We did a half shell for sauce at one point. We did a little pottery pot for sauce at one point, at one point in time. Like It literally just started changing. I'm like, can we just take one and pick it and go? Because I've got yeah. eight orders of this, and yeah. none of them come out the same. It'd be like a good math oh. problem. Like, how many ways? Right. <laughs> and it really <laughs> is. And it's yeah. just like, and there were two people that worked there all year long three interns and we got four more interns about halfway through oh the time gosh. I was there wow. so it was like you're taking the seven interns and making us look like idiots because yeah. we can't do what you want us to oh, so so why did you frustrate the internship there um I actually was struggling to find an internship okay. 95% of my friends went down to Disney for their internship oh, oh, and I didn't want to do that because with Disney you can be stuck at one of their like fast food restaurants flipping burgers oh. and that's your whole internship and I'm like yeah. I have a skill set better than to go flip burgers that's yeah. not what I want to do with my chef. life <laughs> Yeah, and so I was like, and I couldn't find one I wanted, and I couldn't find anywhere I wanted to go. And so, like, if you don't find one, the school places you in one of their dining halls. And I was like, I don't want to do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I got, I found this random, I found the one on Martha's Vineyard, and I was like, never been there. Mm-hmm. It's paid. I was like, $16 an hour. We're going to be working wow. 50, yeah. 50 hour weeks. I can do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. that math adds up in my sense. And so I was like, they have housing, we have to pay for it, but you pull right out of my check not going to yeah. worry about it. So I was like, okay. So I sent my resume in. I sent the application they wanted in. And then I got a call back a couple days later and they wanted reference checks. So I sent some references around and they were like, well, you don't have experience. So we were going to pay you 18 hour, eighteen an hour if you had experience, but we're going to pay you 16 because you don't have experience. I was like, that's fine. I'm okay. You're going to pay me money? I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I'm 19 going yeah. to live on an island and going to be bringing home probably about two grand every two weeks. I yeah. was like, not going to complain about this. I'm fine. Yeah. Um, it was also kind of crappy because the time I went was from March to May, which is the off season. Yeah. So yeah. most of the shops are closed. It's Nobody's slow. really on the island. Yeah. It's yeah. slow. So you have the same people who come in day in, day out. Yeah. So you know what you're cooking day in, day out. Right. So thinking about that experience, I want to hear like a story of like the worst or like craziest thing that happened in that or like the weirdest, rudest people. I don't know, something exciting. So I have two different stories. <laughs> oh, perfect. We did a week set of weekly specials and they were the same through all of off season. Monday was two for one burger night. I swear everybody on that island came to two for one burger <laughs> night. I had 41 burgers on the grill all at once. Whoa. And... I was temping all of them, and the sous just like, you're not moving fast enough. So he, like, pushed me out of the way, and he was like, this is how it should be done, and got all the burgers off all yeah. at once. And I was like, okay, how long have you been working in this industry? Like, 20 years. Yeah, I've been working in it maybe a year and a half. Don't yeah. yell at me because yeah. I'm not yeah. as fast as you. <laughs> and that was, like, one of, like, the hardest nights for me because literally two nights before, I ran the whole kitchen by yeah. myself. So I was like, why can't I run burgers, but I can run a lobster dinner by myself and be perfectly fine? Like, this <laughs> yeah. makes no sense. Um, the rudest thing I think I've ever heard came from this lady who walked in five minutes to close. Okay. We ran a really upscale pub. Um, so we had filet mignon on our menu. It was a $45 dish. She ordered it. Well done. Five minutes to close and goes, you can butterfly it. So it cooks faster. And I was like, I I was like, you're going to take a $45 cut of meat, make me kill it again, burn it and cut it in half for you. I was like. I want to, I want to, I want to, I was like, I made it. My ex chef walked in. He goes, why is that a hockey? Because I was like, because that's what she ordered. So that's what she gets. (laughs) I'd make it a $90 piece of meat. (laughs) Well, and see what I didn't understand when doing this was it comes, it comes with a veal demi-gloss, which is pretty much you take stock and you boil the crap out of it. And it gets to this gelatinous state, but it gets really, really, really rich and intense. And so 
It came with a veal demi-glace. It had foie gras on it. Whoa. It had... What? How many fancy animals were, were put we in that had dish? A bu- Sorry for we, the vegan in the no, room. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We had a budget that pretty much we could get whatever we wanted. Oh, um, we did every weekend. We went through... What kind of money is there? Like, I mean, we're talking about like people like... We had a guy who we called the captain. He came in three times a week like for dinner. Like the captain like, from Gossip Girl? No. Different kind Old of captain. Guy. Gilligan's Island like, captain? Like, like, kind yeah. of like Gilligan's Island. Old crazy guy. Oh, like. yeah. He came white? in. White? Was he yes. white? Oh, yeah. Okay. Everybody on that island who doesn't work there is white. Oh, oh we'll get into that, <laughs> that in a second. That's interesting. Okay, finish. Um, <laughs> but he came in three times a week once with his wife. When he didn't come in with his wife, he ordered a filet mignon and a bottle of Dom. <laughs> a bottle of Dom. <laughs> For himself? For himself. And he did this twice a week. The first time he did it, I was like, what? No, you were not doing this. Oh, you, you, like, you can't take that dump to go. <laughs> you well, have to drink it while you're here. He would be there for two hours and finish his bottle of dump. Yeah. And then go home, wow. and he'd come in with his wife and order a piece of chicken. I'm like, you Oh, because he was, with, he was with his wife, and he didn't want to look like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, all right. Yeah, so I experienced She's I mean, like, are you watching your cholesterol? Yeah, and he was I like, I'll get the chicken, honey, and then, yeah. yeah. He, I experienced a lot of crazy things. There was a lot wow. of different stuff you just saw. Yeah. I mean, we had kid parties come into our restaurant, and we would all order chicken nuggets. And I'm like, we're ordering chicken nuggets, but we also make filet mignon. What kind of establishment am I in? Am I in a McDonald's, or am I in an upscale yeah. restaurant? Yeah. Like, where am yeah. I at? So, yeah, it was weird. <laughs> Weird. It yeah. was, and that's how you know. No matter how rich you get, chicken nuggets still delicious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, we were kids. <laughs> so, can you talk a little bit more about the those dynamics? So, all white people coming in, and then mostly staff is of color or mixed. Um, so, a lot of the staff actually is Caribbean. Oh. Um, a lot hmm. of them come up from Jamaica, hmm. um, or a lot of the help staff comes from Europe. Okay. Um, you get a lot of Romanian, Yugoslavian, hmm. um, Russian. Ukrainian, that kind of mix for, yeah. but those are mainly your servers. Okay. So all of the back of the house is pretty much either mixed or has a variety of different things. The only people that were really high up that weren't mixed were like our executive chef was white okay. and our executive mm-hmm. sous chef was That's white, so but everybody else was all mixed. Wow. Did that, was so, that a kind of a same kind of experience when you were in school, in college? No. Or was it different? So I prepped myself for the whitewash of college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got to college and was like, it's Asian washed because we were a hos- oh. we had a huge hospitality program, so we had a lot of foreign exchange students from China, Taiwan, um, the Philippines, and so we had a really cool mix. And you got to experience a huge dynamic, and I think yeah. that's part of being in a hospitality field. There's a lot more of a mix. Yeah. If you went to more of the business side of the the school, you got more of the feeling of it's okay. a primary white college. Yeah. But it was a really cool mix because mm. most of my friends are either African American, Puerto Rican, Chinese, or African American. Yeah. I have a couple friends who are white, but they're like mixed, yeah. and so they've got like Italian, yeah. like they've got all of the like they're Heinz fifty seven mm-hmm. people, and they just mi- and so it's cool. So I have a really diverse friend group now, and I'm like, yeah, I went to Lincoln. I shouldn't have be shocked by how much diversity yeah. I have, but it was really weird to see coming out of college how diverse my friends were. Yeah. Interesting. Did you feel like um, that tension, like whether it was class tension or racial tension, like in in the kitchen at all on, at Martha Stewart? No, Mar- I, Martha, Martha Stewart. Stewart. Martha's Martha Vineyard. Stewart. I this felt just goes how unclassy. I, <laughs> I definitely it felt it on Martha's Vineyard. Like <laughs> it was that point of, and I don't know if it was a racist thing or if it was just like I'm the executive chef. You're gonna listen yeah. to me, and it was just like Power. there was tension, and it was always tension, and it made it uncomfortable to be in the room with everybody because you were like. There were a group of us that got along perfectly fine. And then everybody else would be like on edge. You would hear something drop and somebody yell. And it was just like, really? And we were working without a pastry chef. So all of the interns were doing all of the pastry work on top of doing all of our regular prep work. And we ran breakfast at the same time. So Mm. we were doing three menus. Wow. I ended up the last two and a half, almost three weeks, I was the executive pastry chef for our kitchen. I created the whole, helped create the whole menu. I made the whole menu product-wise and actually handed everything. God, you sound like a great intern. At one point, I piped yeah. 500 what? cream puffs a day. What? 500 cream puffs a, a I day? I was freezing them. So I would make it all, pipe it all out, <laughs> freeze it, them. bake off a set for the day, make all of the filling, fill them all. I'm so, I'm so glad you're here. I have no concept of how to do that. So it sounds like you learned a lot. I definitely learned a lot of what not to do and what to do. Um, What's like one what not to do and what's like one what to do? Don't come in and upset your current exec or sous chef who's been running the kitchen for 
eight months yeah. on his own. Because, well, he can screw you over on the end and not tell you what things need to be done when they need to be done. And that's some like some good workplace communication advice. Just like don't yeah. screw people over. You like, know? and it wasn't even the fact like he screwed he. Our executive chef went behind his back because he told him he would if somebody came in he'd be the executive executive sous chef. He came in and lowered him down and put somebody above yeah. him oh, who yeah. hadn't been working like in the bitter. industry as long as yeah. him. And I was like, it's not That's respecting rude. people's talent or like how long they've been there or like what they well, yeah. And he owns a restaurant. He's from yeah. Peru. He owns his own restaurant in Peru. Goes home for three months to run yeah. his restaurant and comes back up to the vineyard and runs his restaurant yeah. up in the vineyard and I'm and runs the restaurant. I'm like, how do you not give that man respect? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I'm like, he's been in this industry almost as as long as you have yeah and knows more than you and you're yeah. not giving him the yeah. respect he yeah. deserves are there a lot of like egomaniacal people like <laughs> self-interested people in the industry like, yes okay chefs are egotistical pretty much the bigger ego you have the higher up you are with the bigger hat and that's pretty yeah. much how it is and it's like the bigger ha- it's like in that male complex world is i have the biggest junk i have the biggest hat mm. oh, so okay. like i do literally in the hat yeah the like, like the bigger. actual hat like so the well, french hats like the french restaurants you see where the chef's got the really really tall hat yeah that's actually a side status of power oh. the shorter your hat is the lower on joke. the no the lower you are in the totem pole the lower your hat is <sighs> So the chefs that you see that what? have the, their the hats patriarchy. Are, their hats are flat on their head, you're a grunt. What? You do pretty much everything that you're told. And so like we and it was even in our school that's how it was set. Chefs our instructors had the really tall hats. Seniors what? had taller hats, but they weren't taller than the chef's hats. And then your fresh anything under that for underclassmen wore what we call skull caps. And so they just sit flat on your head. Can you like fight that system? Is no. That, like can't fight the you, patriarchy. You no. Know, that that patriarchy is pretty much goes back to the root of like when the industry started. Yeah. And that's how it started. Wow. It's yeah. What was just your like other hierarchy is built yeah. into that? Uh, my other internship, I came home. Um okay. I worked in Pialt for a little while at a local farm to table micro seasonal menu pasta place. Well, new Italian pasta called um, Arista. It was in downtown Pialp right across from Pioneer yeah. Park. Unfortunately, it closed oh, no. the s- Tuesday after Easter. Um, I was actually in the middle of my internship. We had started planning our menu for the next uh, month coming up. That Saturday, I yeah. got a text Tuesday morning as I was getting ready to go into work and got told the restaurant was shutting down as of today. Come get your stuff oh, that you wow. have in it. So, is that common? Like, I you know, have restaurants. That... Restaurants have the l- highest probability of failing. What's the wow. timeline? I've heard most businesses with like three to five years is the important um, time. Is restaurants, it... two about two years. Oh. Um, he actually shut down just before I started my internship, which should have been a really big red flag to me. And it reopened, and he was starting really cool. And yeah. um, the owner of it was actually a really good guy. He knew he started it on his own. He worked yeah. in a bunch of different restaurants, and yeah. it was a really cool atmosphere. Yeah. I learned a lot more on flavors um, because he took weird ideas and put them together and they worked. So what's one of the strangest combos that you learned Um, was good together? So he made a Korean, he fused Korean and Italian together. He took a kalabi beef Mm -hmm. and made it into a ravioli. What? Um, That's interesting. So you make the beef the way you were looking at it from a traditional Korean aspect. So you yeah. marinated it, yeah. slow cooked what? it, pulled it apart, and then we put it into a ravioli shell. Oh. And then you pretty much, and then this was paired you with... Use so- what's this? Is there a sauce on that? Um, that sauce, what did he use for that sauce? I don't remember what sauce that was. That wasn't the rhubarb sauce we were using because that was for pork. But there was this, like, it had this crazy intense sauce. He actually, no, he made more of the kalabi marinade and boiled it down to a sauce. And we we sauced it with that. But it went over, like, it came with, like, kale rob and broccoli. And, like, so it had this, like, stir-fry consistency. Oh, what a pasta. It was really weird and really worked. Yeah. Um, He was super cool because he also had a local forager for all of his fresh mushrooms. Oh, wow. So we'd get a huge array of mushrooms. So we got, like... King's mushroom, trumpeter mushrooms, black trumpeter mushrooms. You'd get shiitake. You'd get beach. You'd get golden beach. So, like, we'd just get these random mushrooms. And yeah. he had an appetizer that was just called Adam's mushrooms. And we'd throw whatever mushroom we wanted, saute them up, put some honey on them, and then throw them out. Cool. So your internship brought you back to Tacoma. And then what kept you staying here? Or why did you stay? Um, I recently got – well, not recently. I was engaged – I got engaged about a year and a half ago now. Congratulations. Um, hey. That's actually what truly brought me home. Are you going to cater your own wedding? No. No, that's no. a lot of work. That's I'm just, a lot I'm of just, work. I'm just wondering. Um, I actually 
wasn't going to come home at all. I planned on staying on the East Coast because <laughs> all of my friend group is there. All of the contacts I have are yeah. there. Mm, so it made yeah. more sense for me to stay there. Um, I was actually looking at moving, staying in Providence where I was at for school for about three years, um, saving up money with some friends and then moving to Boston. Mm. Um, and if we couldn't get to Boston, just outside in a suburb of Boston and commuting in every day. So, so your partner changed that? Yeah, pretty much. Did you meet online or um, in real life? So IRL? No. We met through a combination of online and IRL. Um, he lived about 10 blocks from my mom's house. So we, he moved into his house, well, our house now, um, the year, the summer I left for college. Um, so we grocery shop at the same place. We did, he did some more running paths around where we were living at. So, I mean, like we seen each other, but never really made the connection. And then we started dating actually about a week before I flew back to school for my junior year. Um, he then made it a point for every month to come out either for a weekend or he'd take about a week off of work and come fly out and stay with mm. me for about a week. That's really, that's, that's sweet so and sweet. heartwarming. And I would like everyone to know that I feel that way. <laughs> that warms my heart So up. you moved out here because he was already out here and you decided. Yeah, he had an established life out here. He'd been in his job for about 10 years. Yeah. He has a home. He has his car was out here. And there were a lot of things holding keeping him here and I got to a point where I kind of started to miss my family like I always missed my family but I got to the point where I was used to not being around my family so it was like four years of okay you see them for three months go back to school for nine months come home for a week okay I got used to it and then it kind of changed my thought process because I was like no I kind of want to go home it makes more sense I have family friends I can go do stuff I can get a job my industry is everywhere I can go do whatever I want Mm -hmm. and be a place so you can do anything you want and be kind of wherever you want as you mentioned but yet you have chosen to become a culinary arts teacher at Lincoln High School your high school what's that like so it's it's definitely weird um my sister is a sophomore so I'm pretty sure half of the sophomore class knows me as her brother and yeah. not as their teacher because yeah. I don't have them. So That's it's an interesting dynamic. It's it's weird in knowing that. It's also weird looking at it being I'm only 22 and I You're have really young. Yeah. I have seniors who yeah. are 18 and I'm like, you're only 22. Yeah, yeah. he's a baby. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I and you're I, the youngest staff member actually. I am the youngest staff yeah. member on besides maybe Natalie. Yeah, and I think we're maybe she's I think she's actually older than me. Um, and so it coming from a different perspective of I don't come from an education background I come from a full food knowledge background so I'm kind of like student teaching and teaching all at the same time and learning and mixing things as I go are you happy with the choice you made I mean it's only a couple months in or do you feel I am regret I won't tell our boss don't worry I am thrilled (laughs) with the choice I made um the second half of my internship after Arista closed down I worked with an amazing chef. His name is Sean Tibbetts. He works. <gasps> yeah. He owns and is the executive chef for Tibbetts at Fern Hill. It's over off of Park and 84th. If you haven't it's been there, go see him. So good. It's this cute little small restaurant. Mm-hmm. You go in. It's like kind of, ru- I don't know how would you describe he, the atmosphere. Rustic-y. Country rustic in the middle of Tacoma. It's yeah. kind of weird. But, but it's not like the annoying like okay. Etsy version of that, yeah. right? Like he And he comes out and he's like, hey. And he like chit-chats with you. Maybe That's it's awesome. what, for 20 people? He has a... He's... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think he has 10 tables and it fits yeah, maybe 22 small. people all together. Oh, wow. yeah. He doesn't really have a intimate. full kitchen. He works on two gas burners. He yeah. doesn't have a hood system. He works on everything he makes. He makes pretty much from scratch what he can legally coming in from the like yeah. food handlers or from like the safety part. So he does have to do some things a little different. Yeah. But yeah. he is an amazingly talented man. He, I learned so much business savvy from him, but it made me realize I didn't want to own my restaurant anymore. Mm. Mm. I spent close to 80-hour weeks in that restaurant, wow, yeah, and it was killing me. I yeah. was never home. I couldn't do it. And the first three years of opening a restaurant, you're working 100-hour weeks as the owner. Yeah, You're always there. You're always doing something. And it's just like I want to start a family. Yeah. I want to I be home. I want to enjoy what I'm doing yeah. and not want to burn myself out. And this gives me that aspect, teaching gave me the aspect of what I want. Yes, they're long hours, yeah. but it's not 80 hours. We're weeks. so happy to have you, though. That job, it's so... That, yeah, we're super lot, excited to have And you. I don't know if this is true everywhere, but some culinary arts jobs are like... It's like dark arts. Like, you get, like, a person in there for a year at a time, yeah. you know? And, like, I mean, the and fact that you're, like, we have you is, like, we're so fortunate. Like, yeah, you're so I, cool. I don't plan on going anywhere unless I get booted yes. out. And so, like... You're not... No, we love you. Stay. It's, it's such a cool thing because I can teach kids the same thing I was learned mm. and then 
invest them into the absolutely point because you can give that passion for food and yeah and working at Lincoln yeah. there are kids who we know aren't going to go directly into college you don't need to go to college for this industry though I went to college for the industry because I wanted the business half behind it they can go and work in a restaurant and learn everything I've learned yeah. in a probably longer period of time yeah. and they may not learn everything I learned because like depending on where you go you're not going to work with chocolate yeah. I can mold a flower out of chocolate now but do I yeah. practically ever am I going to use that <laughs> skill again? Probably not. Yeah. And so, yeah, like I just feel like it's my way of giving back to the community yeah. that brought yeah. me to where I am. Do you feel like there are a lot of students at Lincoln where you look at them and think they have promising careers in, in the food industry? And like I'm, you know, are you like because I think about our students. Um, I teach social studies, so I don't always meet a lot of kids where I'm like, you'd be a great college history professor like your your work is so practical like do you meet students and you're like yeah I can see you like going really far in this industry I have a couple seniors right now who are either working in the industry or show yeah. such a great potential for the oh. industry that I'm like why aren't you doing this yeah. I'm like I get the hours are crazy you're not gonna have a life but you could be really good at this yeah uh, do you find yourself like telling them that and a couple of them I model? have um I have my, for our program at Lincoln where we have our seminar classes, it's kind of been this, when I got my senior group, I literally got all the kids who want to go to culinary, yeah. do I do want to do something culinary. And cool. so, like, it's really cool for me because I'm like, well, you can go here, you can do this, you can do this. Oh, you want to stay local? Go to Bates. I'm like, Bates has one of the best programs you could take. You don't want to go local? Okay, well, you could go to Johnson & Wales. You could go do this. You could go to New York. And there are so many different things. And it's yeah. just like... I've heard great things about Bates. Um, they have a, a restaurant at Bates, don't they? They have a yeah. restaurant. They have a food truck. Um, That's awesome. They have an awesome program. Clover Park has another yes. really, really, Clover really, Tech. really, really, yeah. really, really, really good program. Wow. Which, We're really lucky to have those resources. I like. I didn't really know about them until recently. So, which if I hadn't gone out of state, I probably would have went to either one of those and yeah. gotten something really cool. Um, I at times going through college kind of regretted with the choices I made because mm. I was like, "What am I doing in this?" Yeah, I'm, how'd you pick that school one? I won a scholarship for $4,500 for every year I was in college, okay. plus another $1,000 from one of the programs I was doing in high school. Okay. So I was like, eh, there's $5,500 right off yeah. the bat for every year I'm here. Why not? And then I, my aunt, God bless her, because she has done so much for me over the last five years. Um, we did a trip to, over a weekend that the school sponsors called Wildcat Weekend. You fly out for... A weekend and we they toured the whole culinary building it's a six million dollar building wow um it was donated to the school by cuisinart oh wow so it's a huge like Thanks, you, cuisinart yeah pretty much <laughs> shout we, out um we <laughs> shout out <laughs> we walk through the whole building you start on the fourth floor and walk all the way down and what we call them being there they had fishbowl rooms so there's these huge windows that just look into the classrooms and we got to see people cooking and cool. seeing the different projects. And like, I instantly fell in love and I was like, kitchen, kitchen, kitchen. I want to stay in that kitchen. I was mm -hmm. like, I'm not going anywhere else. I actually had the choice of five different schools when I was looking at and three of the five were all hospitality programs. Mm -hmm. The other two were specifically culinary. I had the Culinary Institute of America in Johnson and Wales and Johnson and Wales ended up being my number one. Mm -hmm. um, but you said you felt a little bit like regret. I regretted it at times because I looked at the people around me and looked yeah. at their skill and I'm like, I don't have that match skill. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm business savvy. I can do this. And I have, I have a mind where I'm really weird. I'm analytical, but I'm very hands on. Mm -hmm. So I'll sit there and process something while doing it. And I'm like, no, I don't like this. Let me change it, which in culinary is really easy to do. But I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the mindsets people have and the flavor profiles mm. they were putting together. And I'm like, I can't do that. I'm like, mm. that's not what I think how I think. It's just not the creativity mm. side of me. And I, like, I regretted it. And then I thought about it and I'm like, no, you got in just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. You're doing just yeah. as well as everybody else. Mm. And I've kind of changed my plan on how I wanted to mm. do it. Um, when I first moved home, I actually had the thought process of going from a restaurant to a cafe. I wanted to open mm -hmm. up a little cafe, do something really small, do something I could change all the time. Mm -hmm. And that idea got thrown out the window, and I was like, ooh, theme bar. Let's go. We <laughs> yeah. could do something with a bar, and it'd be cool, easy food, make money off of alcohol, just bring in the people. And I could have fun off that. And then I was like, I don't want to do it anymore. And I got mm -hmm. the opportunity to come teach, and that was the best thing I think that's, that's happened happy. to me in a long time. So we have some um, hard-hitting uh, so, food industry yep. journalism questions. Yeah, we're real um, journalists here. So, so I mean, one that immediately comes to mind is how do you feel about food allergies? Do you think that they're made up or are they real? So as a person who actually has a food allergy, 
There oh, are certain that. food allergies that are real. Okay. I'm allergic to shellfish, which is weird because it's only certain shellfish. Me too. I can really? eat shrimp. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so I try to explain to people that there's like you different be, levels you of can shellfish be different, allergies. Yeah, there's huh. a different. I can eat shrimp. I don't like shrimp. Like I don't eat most seafood because as a kid, that's all we ate at my dad's because it was cheap at the time. Do you think that's why you developed that allergy? I don't think so because we ate fish. We didn't eat oh. like shellfish, so we only ate fish, and huh. we ate like a lot of white fish, and it was ugh. But, but <laughs> it's very like, bland. A lot of your life. Uh, but like <laughs> we like I can eat shrimp. But I can't touch crab. If I touch crab, right. my hands swell and they get itchy and yeah. red, and I'm just wow. like, mm. yeah, lobster too. Lobster does it, and it doesn't. Lobster doesn't bug me. Doesn't it's matter? just no. crab, and it doesn't make sense to me. Wow. I am a very, I'm very big, fascinated by this. I'm a very big advocate for people who have actual food allergies because yeah. I live with somebody who has weird food allergies. Yeah. Uh, my fiance is allergic to quinoa, which is hypoallergenic, oh, so oh, it doesn't bummer. make sense. Yeah. He's allergic to the whole buckwheat family. Which it's like, you learn things that should never be part of a yeah. what you would think was a buckwheat like oh, rhubarb. Yeah. Rhubarb what? is a buckwheat. Um, he's wow. definitely allergic to buckwheat. Uh, he loves rhubarb, so we have to care, like take all the rhubarb out of the house. Um, so there's like weird things, but oh, like man. people, my biggest things with people is gluten free. Gluten free is not okay. an allergy. Yeah, yes, let's talk questions. about that because yeah. that's actually yeah. Let's go into this. Why do you say it's not an allergy? Gluten free is not an allergy because celiac is a disease. <laughs> Celiac disease is something completely different from being gluten-free. I have a very big thing on this. Like, if you are don't have celiacs, you should not be eating gluten-free because, one, it's horrible for your body. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, gluten-free <laughs> diet. all of our gluten-free listeners. <laughs> gluten-free is all pretty much all corn. Corn does not digest in your body. Corn does not carry the nutrients that you can get because it doesn't digest in your body. You know what? Something else I've noticed about gluten-free foods that are labeled gluten-free, they're often highly processed also. Yes. Uh What people don't realize is is because of the fact that they don't have certain things to actually stabilize them, they have to add more chemical structures to them. They're food-safe chemicals, yes, but you have to stabilize it a lot more. If... And what people also don't realize is being gluten-free doesn't mean cutting out just bread. If you're going to go <laughs> cutting out gluten-free, that means you need to cut out pasta, you need to cut out bread, you need to cut out anything that has a form of flour in it. Yeah. Um, so uh, What's something weird that has flour in it that you wouldn't expect? Like... Uh, candy bars. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes, candy bars. Candy bars have flour in them. And that's why you can be taxed for certain candy bars. You can't be taxed for other candy bars. But candy bars have flour in them because it's an actual... If they have a cookie or a dough or something in them, it's the structure behind it. Yeah. What people also don't realize is the amount of time and effort it takes mm-hmm. for us in a restaurant aspect yeah. to be gluten-free. Yeah. Because if you yeah. truly have celiacs, the, like, micro pinch of flour oh, yeah. could right. set you off, and it could hospitalize you depending one on of how my, severe One of my is. good friends has celiac disease, and she, if she even, like, if there's any amount of cross-contamination at all, she gets, like, very sick. And it's like a, almost like how you would have a digestive reaction if you're lactose intolerant, like the, um, just, like, bowels, like, yeah, and problematic, right? And I've... Dated people who have celiacs, and yeah. I, I dated a person who was celiac and a vegetarian. Huh. The worst time cooking for said person worst because I'm like, how do I cook for you without killing you? I or actually, I, because you sick? of my friend of celiacs, I have some really good recipes that are both vegan and gluten free. Which I've seen those. Yeah, we I took a whole baking class on this, and like yeah. it literally is like cooking for specialty diets. So like diabetes, high mm. or high heart blood pressure, yeah. having. Vegan, vegetarian, um, celiac was one of our funnest ones to do because we learned how to truly cook gluten-free. Like, we combined rice flours, xanthan gums, and, like, that was a really cool aspect to see. But it's, like, my people, for a restaurant point of view, you have to have a separate area gluten-free. You have to to almost have a separate kitchen. And, like, where I worked as a pasta restaurant, we had to order all of our pasta gluten-free because we couldn't make it because oh. the machines we used all had flour in them. There's so, no way to eliminate the And there's no way to eliminate yeah. that afterwards. So it's like we had to completely separate yeah. order everything. Yeah. You know, it's an interesting problem that comes up with gluten-free too because for people who actually have celiacs, like the explosion of like gluten-free things that are certified gluten-free is wonderful. But then for people who are eating gluten-free Free. and aren't ce- don't have celiacs, what they're doing, what companies are doing, is trying to make gluten-free foods marketable, but they're right. but they're not they don't have the gluten-free certification, so they still are cross-contaminated. So it's dangerous for people who are actually like get sick from eating Isn't gluten. It, I mean, it reminds me of like the whole trend for organic and putting the organic label on yeah. on things and how like really the bar because you can write natural low. you can write natural yeah. on something and if even if it's not organic, it gives yeah. the illusion that it's like better for you. Hence, like Walmart was able. I remember this from like what 15 years ago. Walmart was able to like change so many things to organic because it just had to be this percentage yeah. in this yeah, stuff. And and, and what it is, is like it makes it hard on restaurants because 
you hear somebody come back and say, oh, I'm gluten free. And then you look at it and go, yeah, you're gluten free, but you're sitting there eating a roll. <laughs> yeah, you're gluten free. Sure, buddy, because you'd be in the bathroom right now dying. Like, What about, um? so I hear people who talk about being gluten free, or I actually really like, um, my sister calls it gluten less. She's like, you know, just cut out a few things and, and that's, call it good. So that's a different topic. It's and totally like, different. It's totally different because you're still eating stuff. Yeah, and sure. you're like, you don't have celiacs, but you're trying to eat healthier, yeah. which there's a way to eat healthy and still eat gluten. Yeah. Like, it's very yeah. easy. It's more of you need to look at yeah. the carbs you're Well, it's eating. like even yeah. if you're, like, lethargic because you're eating a lot of gluten, like, maybe it's minimizing the amount of gluten you're eating and actually eating foods that are, like, I don't know, have fiber in them. Yeah, I was going to say don't sit there and eat <laughs> four pounds of rolls and not touch a vegetable and be like, oh, maybe I'm Maybe your stomach's upset and you don't have any energy because you don't eat any vegetables. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I've heard some friends say, like, when they go to Europe, um, yeah, bougie, uh, when they, like, travel to Italy or travel to Europe, right, in particular, uh, that, like, the wheat there is different or it's stuff is grown differently. Is that actually real? I mean, yeah. people talk about it, but I don't know mm. if that's actually um, real. So wheats grow differently depending on where you're at. Okay. Um, there's actually two different categories of wheat and we look at this a lot for baked goods more than we do culinary. Okay. Um, there's a hard wheat and a soft wheat. Hard wheats usually grow in the winter. Um, so you harvest them in the winter. They have a harder shell on the outside. Soft wheats are more of what we get in the summer. So in America, we look more at like our bread basket states yeah. during the summer and the spring are going to be where we get all of our soft wheats. Mm -hmm. And then the further you go down and then you're going to get started to get your harder wheats. Um, what this does for flour is so like bread flour is a hard wheat generally. Yeah. Um, rye is one of those. It's more of they have a higher protein structure, so they have mm. more gluten based into them when you use to work okay. them. Softer wheats are going to be looking at things like your cake flour, yeah. your pastry flour, things that have less gluten structure to them that you want to be light and fluffy. And so it's like they grow differently. Um, semolina grown in the U.S. is completely different from semolina in Italy. So that's why people who have like gluten um, sensitivities, right, mm -hmm. find it. Like, don't have the problem when they go there? Is that part of it? They could. It also just depends on the flour you're eating okay. because it depends on how much gluten's actually in it. Mm. Um, it also depends on the person, and there's a lot of different things that go into that aspect. Um, we look a lot heavily at the classes I took on why certain things cause triggers mm -hmm. more than other. Um, and being like the cross-contamination, that also goes for in like an aspect going back to the allergy thing. Like it ties to the allergies. Like that's why factories and stuff have to start labeling now with like people mm -hmm. with peanut allergies. Oh, yeah. It's a huge thing in America, yeah, which yeah. never used to happen, but they have to label it now that this could be made in a factory where it could have Contained. been cross yeah. yeah. And so for like the mass production part of it, gluten-free is really, it's overdone at this point because... You're not certified, so people who actually have celiacs look at the things that say gluten-free mm -hmm. and laugh half the time because they're right. looking at they're it and they're like, gluten. that's not certified. No, I'm not going to Yeah, or things that are labeled gluten-free that have always been gluten-free, like this bag of carrots <laughs> is gluten-free. Well, <laughs> yeah, and like what people don't realize is like corn chips have always been gluten-free. Yeah. Juanitas are <laughs> gluten-free. Exactly. Hey. Doesn't, also doesn't mean they're good for you. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> they're delicious. They're yeah, so good. Gonna chips. Gonna say, <laughs> we call them home. Yeah, all of those like the tortilla chips or like tortillas and stuff like that. And like there's way to actually do this naturally yeah. and like if you're really that worried about you're going to get gluten in it make it yourself yeah. and, like, and also if you're worried about your friends and family who are getting ill from like cross-contaminated food like I don't know like be a good advocate for things being they're actually gluten-free like being certified that way and not having that label of like could be gluten-free might make you really sick like yeah. I don't know just be a good Stand up for people who actually have those who have the sickness and actually yeah, like, the health issues that what are a lot associated of with yeah yeah and what a lot of people don't realize is celiac is genetic mm -hmm. so it's passed down from generation mm -hmm. to generation so if your mom has it ninety you have a really really high chance of you have yeah. it so it's like I look at it from a standpoint because I have friends who have celiacs yeah. I know yeah. people who have celiacs I've cooked for celiacs so it's like don't tell me you're gluten free and then let me turn around and see you order a pasta dish or <laughs> yeah. sit there and start munching on some bread or something. Shame. For shame. The shame bell right there. For shame. Uh, I also want to throw a little more shade and shame. So what do you think is the dumbest, just a personal opinion, doesn't have to be professional opinion, what is the dumbest food trend that you've seen or been exposed to or read about? The women who diet and come in, I don't eat carbs. I'm like, you are an idiot because <laughs> carbs are in literally everything you eat. Like, low carb I get, but when yeah. telling me you don't eat carb, I'm like, did you eat a piece of bread today? Well, that's a carb. Did you... I find that particularly objectionable as a vegan because I... I vegetables have carbs. I eat a lot of carbs. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, vegetables have carbs. Carbohydrates are literally made from plants. Yeah. Like, 
the only thanks like, plants like they're <laughs> it's in everything you can't tell me you're not eating a carb and be like i don't eat that i'm like yeah i've worked in the pasta restaurant i worked in i literally this is a true story <laughs> our waitress came back to the kitchen and goes there's a lady at table five who's really upset because everything on this menu is made with carbs i'm like they are the building block of life. I'm like, it's a pasta restaurant. What did you expect? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, that's the thing I think about. I mean, I'm not going to, like, I understand people have dietary restrictions, but uh, we were we had, we were on a road trip, and we, like, had stopped at, it was like a jack-in-the-box or something, right? I mean, shameful anyway, but, or, like, maybe not, Carl's Jr., maybe, I think it's oh, California. Yeah. Um, so fast food, right? And we get go in line, and it's like, uh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You go ahead and order this, what I want, this, what I want. And we're, like, trying to make a quick stop, right? And yeah. we actually had really want. I, we would really want to stop at In-N-Out, but, like, we couldn't get off the right exit. So we were just like, forget it. Let's just go here, secondary. And so I get in line, but in front of me was this older white couple who um, were ordering, you know, and that's, you know, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the wife had these, like, specific dietary restrictions. So she's like, does your chicken have blah, 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 blah. And, like, she started asking all these questions. It was taking a very long time. Have you see um, that Portlandia sketch where the, like, they're, like, the chicken has like. a name? Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what it felt like, except they were dead serious, right? And, yeah. and part of me is like, okay, you know, be patient like it's fine it's not that big of a deal and they came out and he was like what why yeah. are you still in line like how does this not happen and the part that got to me the most i think was the fact that she was asking all these questions that i feel like you could have googled it before you came and maybe like she didn't have a smartphone to do that or whatever yeah. but i'm like if you have dietary restrictions or you're on these special diets for heart disease or for whatever like generally you should know about what you need so that you can take care of your needs and yeah, not just like randomly true. ask at a carl's jr right and in the general don't go to this place right like, yeah the general knowledge just thought if you're on a special theory diet restriction why are you in a fast food restaurant yes yeah, yeah. Well, why point of, like why she she, she doesn't eat carbs, but why she's yeah. at a pasta well, so, place. Yeah, it's just like, you know, do you know, like, you know the last time, the last time I went to a fast food restaurant and actually ordered a meal was um, um, like a week before I became vegan. Mm. And that's that's it. Like there's no, like there's no, that's not, like I have a specialty diet, but like it's yeah. by choice. So it's like, it's one of those things that, and it's you know. different for yeah. like when you choose to be a, for on a certain diet yeah. or when you think this diet yes. is a fad. Yeah. Because there that's are completely point. different things. Yeah. And I mean like, I can understand the whole spectrum from vegan to vegetarian yeah. because there's a whole spectrum that falls all the one in the middle. Of, yeah. And it's funny to me, especially seeing it in high school, when you talk about vegetarian mm. cuisine and cooking mm. for that and yeah. kids go, I'm not going to eat vegan. And I'm like, it's not the that's same not thing. the same yeah. thing. I'm yeah. like, you can still eat yeah. this and not eat that. I was like, a vegan doesn't need any animal byproduct, which that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, And a vegetarian still eats Depending on the type of vegetarian, they'll still eat cheese, so yeah. eat meat, depending on what yeah. it is. And I'm like, if you're a pescatarian, you eat fish. If you're a pollutarian, yeah. you eat chicken. Like, I'm like, there's yeah. different things to get around this. Well, and there's some of the, like, I was talking to a student about this, about, like, um, there are different reasons that people have different diets. Because he right. came up to me and he said, well, I'm going to have Thanksgiving with my family, but after Thanksgiving, I think I'm going to try to be a vegetarian. And, like, we, he and I never <laughs> talked about any of, like, vegan, vegetarian or anything. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice. Why do you want to do that? He was like, I just feel like it's right for me. I was like, okay, man, that's cool. He's like... So I don't really know what I'm going to eat. Peanut butter and jelly all the time. I was like, no, there's other foods you can eat. Like, you'll be okay. And I'm just kind of talking about the different reasons why people, you know, choose to change their diet. And we, um, he's like, well, I really like animals and I don't want to eat them. And I was like, yeah, I mean, like, that sounds like something that you care a lot about. And like, you know, trying to be as, you know, neutral teacher voice or whatever. But I mean, I think about like the ethical kind of stuff about food is really interesting to me. Like, yeah, yeah, because I've been a vegan for like six years, seven, almost seven years. And like. I had a recent conversation with someone about, like, if you, like, the label vegan mean, meaning way more than just, like, plant-based food, yeah. right? Like, being vegan is, like, if if you choose not to eat palm oil because of orangutans, like, do you actually hmm. care about, like, plantation workers at, like, palm oil plantations and their, what they're going through? Like, and if you have that ethic of care about, like, the whole food chain, then you could, like, claim that label or whatever. Um, but it's not just about food. So for some people, vegan is, like... Not just like food; it's also like it's industry. lifestyle. It's a, li- it's a yeah. lifestyle, yeah. right? And so I, I feel like I'm, I don't know. That's an interesting. It's a whole. That's a rabbit hole, you know. Yeah, like you like, go down that, and you never come out. I have friends. I have a friend who is when we were in school is a nutrition major. She yeah. got her degree in dietetic nutrition. Mm. Um, she's doing her dietetics internship right now to become a registered dietitian, and she yeah. went. Ve- she the first year she did it, she went vegetarian, and I was like, cool. I'll yeah. support you. Yeah. You make what you want. I'm going to eat my meat. Okay, yeah. we're yeah. good. <laughs> um, and she's very religious. And when Lent came around, she goes, I'm going to be vegan for Lent. Yeah. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I support that. Not going to eat it, but I support that. And yeah. so, like, and I found myself eating more of the food she made. Yeah. Because 
just to like try it. And she's really yeah. cool with flavors. And like, it was interesting. Like she made nacho cheese. Yeah. Like vegan nacho cheese. I was like, ooh, this is good. Yeah. Um, we had Phillies. We had mushrooms for me and threw cheese on the top of it. It was so good. And it was like really yeah. cool to see these ideas. But That's she goes cute. on this rant about how vegans should eat honey. And it's like the funniest <laughs> oh, thing oh, to me. Be careful. That is a controversial <laughs> among vegans. And, I, and it's funny because she goes, they need to eat honey. She goes, if you don't eat honey, bees don't produce. If bees don't produce, the planet dies. Then we die. So therefore, we eat honey. I was like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, that's a whole topic of yeah. that. I'm like, but it's funny because it is a huge controversy. Yeah. And it's I'm super like, controversial. Like, well, and there's a level yeah. of like classism that happens, I think, with totally. some that's, specialty of diets. Hope and I have talked about this a lot, actually. And with, it's with expensive to be, the, veg- yeah. it, to be a vegan or a vegetarian. It's expensive. It's so, interesting you say that, though, because like when I, when I first became vegan and like I actually, when I first became vegan, I actually learned how to cook stuff. Yeah. Which was a big, was a big step for me in my being yeah. an adult. But like when I learned how to cook, I was like, I realized that if you have this kind of like basic um, skills of like, can you make beans? Mm. Yeah. Right. Like from dry beans, you, it opens up a whole new world. Pressure right. Pressure cooker. Um, we have to be careful with some beans in the pressure cooker. The little skins can come off and like plug the steam hole or whatever and just blow up your kitchen. But <laughs> I, um, I actually Experience like we, uh, it's a little bit. Um, when I became vegan, though, I learned how to cook and I realized that like you can go if you re- try to replace all of your like meat and cheese dishes with um, vegan substitutes. It doesn't. They're matter. absurdly expensive yeah. and you will go go for broke. Like they are expensive, but like they're like there's so many ways to eat cheaply and eat vegan you just have to some of it's just trial and error like learning how to cook and so many people don't know how to cook I think it's coming from the college aspect of you're already on a tight budget so trying to do a specialty diet on being on a tight budget when I was in grad school being vegan that was that was sticky that was was hard it's definitely like we were watching it and I had a couple friends and they were like "Uh, rice and beans all week this week I'm like (laughs) yeah we're broke yeah so I mean like it's different I think from an yeah. aspect when you live with people though it was really easy because yeah. we'd all buy like yeah. certain th- like we'd split up the vegetable list and be oh, like sure. I'm gonna yeah. buy this you guys buy this and we'd like yeah. break things up and it was more easy but uh, yeah it is so I mean like so, certain specialty diet, diets if you choose to however you choose to eat can be can be so expensive mm-hmm. like so do either yeah. of you have I mean with both of you kind of with your awareness more than I have probably on this issue do you, either of you have like advice for how to be like not being basic about it but all and classes but also having a specialty diet or living with someone that has a specialty diet yeah do the research before you choose to do the diet because there's a lot of things people don't know and it's a lot of people see it as fads mm-hmm. and they're not fads. They're lifestyles and you need to choose to live that lifestyle. And especially if you're going to claim to be vegetarian because if you claim to be vegetarian and I'm – if I'm the chef that works in your restaurant or I'm the waiter mm-hmm. and you say you're a vegetarian, my first question is, is going to be, so what type of vegetarian are you? Mm-hmm. Are you a lacto-ovo? Are you pescatarian? Are you a poietarian? Like I want to know exactly what you are so I can help you guide you through your menu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the number of looks that you get – are astonishing because they're like, well, I, uh, I, and I'm like, exactly. Like, you need to yeah. know these things before you tell them to people. Um, and I would really, really do some research on them because some of these diets are not meant for people who don't have either the disease that goes with them or the reason why behind they're choosing them. Yeah. Because um, some of them can be dangerous if you do them wrong. Well, you can, if you eliminate, especially if you eliminate entire food groups or like entire um, macronutrients, like if you're trying to eat like zero carbs or like you're eating 100% um, lean protein, like that is that is not good for yeah. your kidneys. Like yeah. it's like you have to have a balance of nutrition, like yeah. to not get sick. And you have to know, like, because especially coming from like the aspect of like the vegan vegetarian concept, like you need to know what supplement food supplement what you need because iron is a huge deficiency in that category because there's not as much. Well, especially for a child, like um, women of childbearing age, um, you have to monitor your iron. I've never had a problem with low iron. I also eat a lot of leafy greens um, and and vitamin C, which helps the uh, vitamin C helps with the iron absorption, but you have to be super careful. My wife, she had super low iron um, to the point where she was eating ice, which is a a form of pica, which can happen if you have low iron. And it's just like, you have to be super careful. Like, so how do you feel? Either you feel about like supplements to offset those kind of special needs. Cause I feel like supplements are kind of problematic. I feel like I, I, there's certain, Certain um, supplements that are recommended by dietitians if you don't have if you don't have meat or dairy in your diets, um, the two big ones are D three uh, and B twelve, um, and those two are easily found in other plant sources. They're just like 
you know, I just take, I take those pretty regularly. Um, B12 is one that grows on bacteria and dirt. And usually um, people got enough B12 when they didn't wash vegetables, mm-hmm. like back in the day. Um, but now that we wash our vegetables a lot, like steam wash bleach, like I don't know, like I mean, like just very clean. <laughs> um, it, you don't get that B12, right? Um, and you get you do get B12 from meat. Um, but it's it's a lower quantity than well, you. Yeah, would you I mean, can get it for like nutritional yeast. That's a good food source of B twelve. Uh, so I love nutritional yeast. Yeah, it's like, so good on you popcorn. Put, you put it on popcorn and it tastes so, like yeah. cheese. We and used I'm to like, do that in the yeah, yeah. And so like I have that aspect. Like supplements. Have you ever are, put it on rice? It's actually really good. On yeah, rice it's too. really good on rice. Supplements are. I know supplements are an extremely big topic of debate, right? especially like from the mm-hmm. nutritional aspect of the culinary industry. It's a huge debate right now because. We can give you all the supplements you need mm-hmm. in a food item, right? And so the aspect of using it is from the aspect of you need to be really, really careful. Yeah. If my recommendation is, is if you're going to take a supplement, talk to your doctor before you start taking. That's it. That's what I actually did it on the recommendation of my doctor because yeah. she was vegan friendly and she was like, you know, you just want to be careful that you get this trace amounts of B12 and D3 so you don't become deficient and just well, yeah. And it. some of yeah. those deficiencies, especially with the D vitamin group, you mm-hmm. can cause depression. Um, yeah. Especially, and that's one of the biggest things between the northwestern states, Alaska, we don't mm. get a lot of sun. Yeah. Mm. It's one of the biggest deficiencies in Washington is not having enough D yeah. in your vitamin D I've in your system. I've actually heard that like, recommended for anyone who lives here, like yeah. not even vegans. Not like, even vegan. It's yeah. a recommended thing for everybody because we just don't get enough sunlight. Yeah. And that's why Washington and Alaska have the highest depression rates among the U.S. Yeah. yeah totally versus Hawaii sense. where everybody's happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Curse the Hawaiians and their waves. (laughs) (laughs) So sunny. So a couple other like money questions and food questions. Oh, these Um, ones. I'm excited about these ones. Me too. Uh, So what's the most expensive food item that you've ever purchased and was it worth it? I, okay. So I'm going to admit this because it's a guilty pleasure and I only have done it like twice. I've bought a $150 bottle of truffle oil. What? I still have the bottle of said truffle oil. It sits in my cabinet and I use it maybe once every two and a half months. Is that because it's so expensive you don't use it very often? Yes. <laughs> but will it go rancid? Because that's also the... No. Okay. I bought it and then emailed one of my chefs and I was like, how do I make this last as long as possible? And he's like, put it in a dark corner in a cool environment and it should last for a good chunk of time. Yeah. I wow. bought this bottle of truffle oil because it was really, really good when I tasted it. And I love truffle fries. And it's the only way to get good truffle fries is to have good truffle oil. And so it's like my one guilty pleasure is truffle. Like I... I'm just like so for those of you listening who don't know what truffles are <laughs> truffles are not a, chocolate in this aspect <laughs> no they're not chocolate. not chocolate they are a mushroom that is generally found in between Italy and France that used to be only way to find them was through pigs um, they've actually trained dogs now to be able to smell them and find them, and dogs won't what? eat them. Truffle dog? They sniff them. No, the like when they used to use pigs, they're so adorable. When they I, go, I read about the piggy thing, but I didn't. But know. Yeah, hunting with piggies. Now. They um they can do it with dogs now. They've dogs are so good. Um, they're so much better than people and so, sometimes. But it's just it's most people don't like truffles because they say it smells like feet. I can't. I just got past that smell, and I was like truffles, parmesan. Herbs, fries, yes. Let's go with life. So this oil is worth the 150 bucks. It, yeah. Some people would probably disagree with me because they say it's an oil. Just I agree with it. Although, I just use it yeah. sparingly because I can see people buy though like 150 dollars bottles of liquor. So I mean, like, yeah. So that, I mean, yeah. like I bought that goes faster probably. Too. Exactly. Yeah. My truffle oil has lasted me about six exactly. months now. Like versus you bought this bottle of wine that you opened once and it was gone. I'm like, I open this every other couple months. What's the best thing that you've made with your truffle oil? I made this random chicken dish one night and I was like, huh, chicken. I want mushrooms. So I like sauteed some mushrooms up, baked some chicken. I was like, it doesn't taste right. So I just drizzled truffle oil Mm. over the top of it and it had went over some rice and I had a bunch of different random vegetables that I threw to the side and I was like, I love this. This is awesome. I don't make it very often because I'm the only one who eat it. So yeah. it's in a house of two when you can only make food for one person, it kind of defeats the purpose mm-hmm. of making food. So yeah. <laughs> so what do you think is something that like we can actually go cheap on without losing oh, yeah. the quality? Because like some things like, I mean, the $150 truffle oil, but are there certain things that have a, a, a price floor that you're like, yes, you can go that low and it's okay? Olive oil. Oh, what? Interesting. Really? You can actually it's get EVOO? EOVO? No, I don't do <laughs> it. I, I don't. So I'm, I'm, I'm not a friend of Rachel Ray. I despise <gasps> that woman. Oh. She has made a White ma- women everywhere just clutch to their pearls. Yeah. <laughs> she has made this incorporation of you can measure with your palm oh. and listen to her. Well, my palm oh, yeah, is this bigger. This is my favorite rants of you. My palm is bigger than her palm. 
So you're going to tell me I'm measuring a palm full of salt in my hand. Let's put it this way. I feel way. a little insulted Shaq about the rest has, of these two. Shaq has put his hand out. Shaq is going to measure a palm full Shaq of salt. Hand. Yes. In his, in his, in his, his palm. Hands. Because he watched Rachel Ray's episode and she said do a palm full. Yeah. He pours it into his nice, lovely sauce he's made and goes and takes a bite and spits it out because it's overly salty. Mm. This is why we don't measure in palm fulls. Yeah. We measure with measuring spoons or measuring cups. They're designed to have an equal measurement every time. Not your palm. Don't do measure you feel about, with like, your palm. measurements like... A pinch of. Okay, so a pinch of is an actual, like, an actual industry thing. Like, we actually use that because a pinch is less than a teaspoon, but more than a smidgen. It's a, so there are some Wait, weird what's things. what's a smidgen? Like, it's like a dash. Like, you just kind of... Like, a, like, like a dash? Yeah, like it's kind of like, like a dash. Like a dash, a like You're just like... So what's the of, smallest measurement? Is a pinch smaller than a dash? Is smaller than a... A dash is smaller smidgen? than a pinch. So it's like, it's weird and like, you'll hear chefs say different things and it's just where they're taught. Because like... Village smaller than a town is smaller than a city? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like, and Wait, so, so the smallest one is a Pinch. Walk me through the measurements. So again. No. it'd be a dash, uh-huh. and then, a pinch, uh-huh. and then you have your teaspoon. Uh-huh. Well, you'd go smidge, Where's quarter smidge of a there? teaspoon. I have all quarter, the way. I yeah. in my spoons, I have all the way down to an eighth of a <laughs> teaspoon. But I mean, and yeah. it depends on your teaspoon set, and yeah. it also just depends on like where you grew up. Because like, I know people from like my grandmother goes. Uh, you just put a little bit of this and a little bit of that, and I'm like, yeah, that doesn't work. So do you only cook? Things. Do you cook with recipes, or do you if not cook f- with recipes? So it depends on what I'm doing. Um, if I really know how to make what I'm yeah. making, no, I don't. I kind of like just Never throw things. I just kind of like throw things together and go, <laughs> eh, it worked. Or if it really didn't work, I'm like, okay, hey, we don't do that again because that didn't work <laughs> and it tastes good. It depends on what I'm doing. If I'm baking, I will use a recipe. Yeah. Unless I know the recipe off the top of my head. And then I can just make it off top, like scratch. Baking to me is like all my friends know that I'm terrible at baking, and I'm trying to get mm-hmm. better because you know I believe in in growth mindset. <laughs> uh, but part of that is because I don't I don't um, cook mostly with recipes. Like I just kind of do. And you don't really. And baking, yeah. I feel like you have to. It's a science. You don't really need to cook with a recipe. I mean, sometimes it's really nice to have a recipe because like. I can gauge how much I'm gonna yeah, need. Yeah, I look for, for like inspiration. Yeah, and I I generally yeah. do that. I'll look for an inspiration. And go, huh? Um, yeah, that that works. But yeah. I don't like the flavor set I of that. Feel like Let I me have change to that. Gain, gain a lot of confidence before I'll like mm. go without a recipe because I like I'm very much like I don't want to screw it up. Like I have um I have a tofu scramble recipe that is like that I got it. Like I got I can I can measure with my eyeballs and like I'm and that is that works, but not for other stuff. Yeah, not for other stuff. Part of the problem is um I can't also replicate things though. Like I made something really amazing the other day. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, this is so good. And then I started mm-hmm. to laugh to myself because I'm like, I don't remember. What I can't I put make in this in. ever again. again. Yeah, <laughs> that's part of the problem. I'll enjoy it while okay, uh, we have not a lot of time left, but a couple more things we want to kind of hit you with, and then uh, wrap up. So um real quick, how do you feel about food delivery programs? We've got HelloFresh, Blue Apron, Home Chef, Sun Basket, Plated, Purple Carrot, Snack Box, Snack. Crate, all the snack spinoffs. What are your thoughts on that industry? So we actually use Blue Apron in my household mm. because it actually, we just are horrible about grocery shopping. Oh. And so Blue Apron works for us being on the fact of we probably spend about the same as what we would do for grocery shopping, but we have three meals sent to our house a, a week. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, I think it works for us. I never thought I'd use it, but I like it because you get different things. They're not ever the same. You get some random things and I'm like, okay, this works. Um, I've heard complaints about everyone pretty much from friends who have used similar yeah. things. I think it's an industry that's worth it just because the fact that some, for people who are trying to eat healthy, it gives you a way to eat healthy because okay. they actually are giving you healthy meals to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love our Blue Apron. I never thought I'd say that, but yeah. I really, really like I've our Blue I've heard apron. great things about the like freshness and like quality of the produce. The produce is really good. It's okay. really fresh. They only do seasonal items. So, like, right nice. now, it's a lot of winter. So, it's, like, turnips, squash, squash. <laughs> potatoes. Like, I've eaten squash probably eight or nine times in the last, yeah. like, two weeks. And I'm just like, I'm done with squash. <laughs> squash is so gross. And so, it's just is weird. It, isn't there also only, like, we were talking about, like, one vegan option for these food delivery programs, The only too? one I found is mm. purple carrot. But I know that, like, some of the other ones have, like, more limited, like, vegan um, options in there. I know Blue Apron, you can give a, it's got a more, it's kind of limited. But, I mean, definitely, it's harder with vegan because it's such a crucial, like, they can buy... I don't know much about the vegan. Blue Apron's very vegetarian friendly because yeah, I know I we yeah. last week I think we had one meal with protein in it out of the three we ordered, and like the week before we had one, and so like it just it varies based mm-hmm. off of what you're at. Like this week we have two, but that's because I wanted burgers, mm-hmm. yeah. so I was like burger, cool. Yeah. 
Uh, one other kind of more serious question. If you were going to change one thing about like the food industry or like helping people understand about it, um, what would it be? The stress level people don't see. Yeah. Um, the food industry has one of the highest alcohol, smoking, and drug addiction rates out of most industries in the U.S. Mm. Because we work hard, crucial hours. Um, all of those fun times that people have going out, we're the ones who work it. Um, and it leads to a lot of addiction problems. Smoking mm. is something that becomes a huge addiction because it's a way to get a break. You don't yeah. get breaks online. Yeah. So, like, if you got to go for a smoke, you get to go for a smoke. Yeah. Um, Alcohol is another really big issue. Um, drugs is another really big issue. There's been a lot of great chefs who have died in the last about two years who have died from drug addiction. It's something that a lot of people don't understand and don't see. Mm. And mm. it's something I wish we could change in the country because they just don't. It's a hard environment to work on. Pretty much... You're working in a fiery pit with sharp knives and people screaming and throwing things possibly at you. Yeah. It's it's definitely it's like it's it's a really high stress industry. And yeah. like though I think that was one of the hugest reasons I got out of it because I started realizing myself was like I'd go home and I'm like, hmm, I wanna drink. And I'm like, no, that's <laughs> not where I wanna go yeah. with this. I'm like, so I'm like, I need to change what I wanna do with this and change yeah. it from that aspect. And it's like it's a lot of, like, you see it all in a lot of people. I know, worked with a couple of people that are like, yeah, I go home and drink a bottle of wine a day. And I'm like, that's not healthy. Yeah. You shouldn't do yeah. that. So uh, we want to end with uh, Timeless or Terrible. Interchangeable. White ladies! So I'm going to pull out of this jar some I items, and I want you to tell us, do you think this is something that is timeless or something terrible? Uh, stinky cheeses. Timeless. Tell me more why. Because we're always going to have blue cheese, which are always going to stink. But some of the most stinkiest cheeses are going to be your best. Parmesan stinks really mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other one I want you to talk about is tachos at bars specifically. So nachos, but with tots. There's this like tater tot trend that's been happening. How do you feel about tater tot, tater tot trends? Tater tot, tater tot nachos. They're terrible. <laughs> oh, why? <laughs> because it's like, because tater tots don't hold like the crispiness of like a nacho oh. would. And so like they start to mm. fall apart mm -hmm. and then they're a mess. And nachos are supposed to be eat with your hands. You can't do that with tater tots. It's like, you kind of need a fork. Yeah. yeah. You know what? It's a part yeah. of being at a bar. I heard actually a really good piece of advice about if you're doing tachos and you have control over how the tachos are made, do you um, crisp up the, the tots really good? Um, That's what first, I first, and then do all the condiments separate, and then right before you serve it, then you do the cheese and the stuff, and then yeah, it's just it's like and a it small just... volume of tots at once because otherwise they get soggy, Doggy and they need them with a fork, and that defeats the purpose. Exactly, yeah. like it's just terrible. Mm. Yeah. So Annie wants to um, trick you here. I'm gonna try see what I can do. Um, because of your culinary expertise, yeah. we wanted to know could you identify uh, these smells? All right, you gotta close your eyes though. Okay. All right. So what is this item? Okay, I'm gonna put it under your nose. You put it in food. Is there another hint? You put it in food. Did you get it? Mm-hmm. What do you think it is? It's definitely an herb. Yes. It's definitely one of the herbs in the lower half of the alphabet. Yes. Oh. You're like a you're like a mind Was it reader. sage? No, you're really it's um no. <laughs> Although it does smell like sage. I never realized that. That's really interesting. Do you want me to just tell you? Yeah. Saffron. Okay, oh. that's hard in itself just because wow. unless you know what, like, saffron's uniquely smelled, yeah. but it's so saffron. individual yeah. that, like, it's, okay. it yeah. has a weird sage smell to Let's it. Let's do one more. Okay. So we're run out of time here. This one, this one, uh, this is one of my favorites. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Small jar. It looks like a powder. You gotta, I gotta hold Here's your hand. for a second for you to get the... Uh, and then his face cringes. A horrible face. Shrieks. So it's definitely backwards. got a sulfur to oh. it. So it's... Yeah. Mustard? No. Smell it again. Do you want to smell it again? Yeah. I think you might guess it. I might be able to get it. It's very sulfurous. Is it specific to any kind of dietary it is. needs? Egg white powder? Oh, you're so close. It's black salt. It's also called colondomac. Uh, exactly. It's, it's a, super sulfur. Yeah, yeah, that would make more sense. It's I'm like sitting salt. there and I'm yeah. like, it's sulfury. I'm, so I'm like, right yeah, sulfur salt. I use it to make uh, tofu taste like eggs. Mm. That would make sense. Yeah. All right, so do your fudging homework. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies! So what's the homework that you want to tell people that they should do to be smarter about the work or something that they could do to be more understanding about uh, all the work that goes into this industry? 
Be open-minded when you go to a restaurant. Don't ask for a substitution on something because you don't know what the food item is. Mm. Menus are created for the purpose of these flavor pairings go together. Don't try to change what the, the chef has put time into. Awesome. Mm. Uh, my recommendation is this cookbook that I have that I forgot the name of when I got here. Um, but I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And you might actually remember, it's this giant book. It's really expensive cookbook because it's like a book about cooking and not just about recipes and it's giant and it's white and it's beautiful it's really really heavy the food bible no it's from a guy in new york um he's asian american and he like the first half of it is just writing about food and like the experience and and like knives and stuff which sounds so boring but it's so beautiful and i will mm, link like to poetic it. how beautiful it's it is so beautiful it's taking That's me a long awesome. time to get through the book because i just like i'm reading for yeah. not the purpose of cooking just for fun <laughs> i love this kind of stuff my homework is a two-parter. The first part is we started to touch on things about, like, classism in, the f- in, f- in food, uh, food stuff. I think, like, thinking about where we work um, and where we, the neighborhoods we live in, to go do some research about things like food deserts, um, ac- equitable access to food. I feel like those are really important. Um, just uh, kind of go down the rabbit hole, like, you know, do some research about um, access to food in our we think, oh, there are no starving people in America. That's not true. So you should go and learn some information about like what that, what that the food landscape looks like. And then also, I gotta I gotta give a shout out to two amazing vegan restaurants in the city of Tacoma, mm-hmm. owned by local people, Viva, which is in Proctor. You should go check it out. It's really good. The food's amazing. And also, um, Quakey Two on Hilltop because yep. they're um, it'll change your life. Their food's Mac so good. Mac and ease. It's amazing. Okay. Thanks, Corey. Thank you, Corey. For being here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. Bye. Bye. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Subscribe to the other podcasts, Nerd Farmer, Move to Tacoma, Citizen Tacoma, and Flounder's B Team. Bye. Class dismissed. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.